Hello, you are listening to the Bethel Atlanta Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about Bethel Atlanta, visit www.bethelatlanta.com. Really sorry y'all aren't enthusiastic about anything. So, so it is fun being together with people who are excited about the Lord, excited about each other. And uh, I, I just love, uh, I love worshiping with you. It's, it, it, I think it's my favorite hour of the week is worshiping with you. And we obviously have a great worship team, but... What's happening here is a combination of you and them and your hearts for the Lord. And something, it's, it's, uh, it's coming out of your heart, right? We say thank you to the Lord. And so um, I feel it's bubbling here. We, uh, one of the best things ha- happening in the church right now is just our worship together and our worship of him. And Lindy and I were reading a book recently in the last few weeks, uh, Glory by uh, Ruth Ann Heflin, I believe. Yeah, okay. Crazy revivalists are screaming happy things, but uh, she, just, she just talked about, um, you know, like if your heart's not in a place of worship, start with Thanksgiving. Uh, it's not a bad place to start. When I get down, you know, I'm just not a flatline guy. I'm not a... I'm not a I'm not a marathon guy. I don't just get out there and run 10-minute miles all day long. I'm a sprinter, and then I stop, and then I crash, and then I get back up. But when you're down, a good place to start is just giving thanks. And if you just have to get a yellow pad out and start riding down, give thanks. And we all have so much to be thankful for. And it doesn't take long till you're on the second page. And Thanksgiving, we, you know, it enters into praise. And we enter his gates with thanksgiving and praise. Something opens up. We enter his gates with thanksgiving and praise. And often that leads into worship. But really great worship, really heartfelt worship often invites the glory of God. and Glory is one of those words most of us don't understand. I've, I've got a lot of learning to do in glory. I just want to learn more about it. I want to see it. I want to experience it. I don't really care what it looks like. I don't have a preconceived notion what glory looks like. I've heard about it. I've experienced the presence in deep ways. But I just want more. I think you do too. And uh, Ruth Ann, she, uh, she was a worshiper. And, and some of the keys we were picking in the book, she just, she spoke, she prayed her prayer language a lot. So if, you, if, you're, like, if, you, if you're excited about what's happening here and you want to add your coal to the fire, you want to blow on your ember, just in, in the other 167 hours a week, just worship him. Come in here so full of God that it's just all over the place. Come in here so full of worship that it's just getting on everyone around you. Because there, there, there's no telling what can happen. We had someone in here come a few weeks ago and the presence was so thick, they got healed of something 20 years they'd been carrying. No one prayed for them. I'm convinced I'm convinced a church of worship leaders, your leaders. Michael Maiden was here the other day, a few weeks ago. He said, you have a church of leaders. He said, my church has got 7% leaders and 93% new people. He said, you had a church full of leaders. And that means you're also a worship leader. And it's obvious from today, like you are worship leaders. But if we want to just uh, continue to prime that pump, we'll just pray in your prayer language throughout the week. Just worship him. Abide his presence. Come in here more full every week. 
And, uh, and we'll see what God does. It's been prophesied that the, worship, the presence would be so strong that when you bring your friends, they get healed. It's been prophesied the church would be so generous that everyone would be reigning in life and their finances. You bring your friend who has lack, they go home with the lack met. You bring your friend, the presence is so thick, they give their life to Jesus without someone having to pray the perfect prayer or the, preach the perfect sermon. We participate. It's all of us. Pardon? No more mud zone. Amen. So I wanted to invite you into um, just a little bit of the way I have quiet time with the Lord. This is going to be different than any sermon I've ever preached, but we're just going to pretend like we're in the living room together having a Bible study. Is that okay? Good old-fashioned Bible study. Love the Word. We, you know, Lord, we honor the Word of God. We honor each other, but we honor the Word of God. And I love the Word of God. I there, and there's. I wish every chapter would just was just ah. Oh. But I have my favorites. You know, there's certain chapters that just oh, I love this chapter. It's amazing. It's possible that every chapter could be that way. Because it is all the word of God. I'm not there yet, but I've got some that I just like, ah, this is so beautiful. This is glorious. This is rich. And there's something that happens because the word of God testifies out of the mouth of two witnesses, right? The word of God is testifying with my spirit. We're all, we all have the Holy Spirit, every believer. We're all sealed by the Holy Spirit. So we have this Holy Spirit in us. And sometimes when we're reading the word, something just feels like it vibrates within us. The Holy Spirit says, yes. And out of the mouth of two witnesses, my spirit can tell when those two things are going good. I'm like, yes, that feels right. That's, it's, it's anointing. It's, it's him. It's his word speaking to us in season. And so um, I invite you into our Bible study, and I'm, if this goes well, I'll keep doing it, and if it doesn't, um, I've got something to do on part B. How about that? We'll switch gears and, uh, and give you an update. I, I feel like we're doing, I want to give you uh, either today or in the next few weeks, kind of a 15, 20 minutes, uh, the state of the church, the state of the union, update on the church. There's a lot of good news. There's a lot of good things to talk about. So I want to talk about what's happening in the church, in our team, in worship, in, uh, in, in our building program. There's some really good things in our finances. There's a lot of good things to report. So we'll get to that today or we'll do it soon, okay? So Ephesians 1, if you have a, your Bible, turn to Ephesians 1. And we're going to have it on the screen and the message version, but um, what I like to do, it's so easy to have different versions now. I've, on my, uh, my phone, I've got a, a, a Bible app, and, um, and it, it's, uh, you know, you push a button and you can, you can put a different version in. So, it, it, you know, it used to be you'd have to have like five or six Bibles, or you, or you, you know, it was cumbersome, but now you push two buttons and you can say, well, what is this in the NIV? What's this in the New King James? What's this in the... New American Standard. And so um, I love to just get two or three going. And, and to this morning I was just reading verse one and then I would read it in two or three versions and, I, and I'd find one that uh, was speaking to me more and, and sometimes you get to a place that it's so rich you just have to stop. Like, wow, that was a mouthful. And so we're just going to kind of walk through it together. And uh, I like to anchor. I like to anchor what I'm reading um, with uh, a New American Standard. So, because some of these message and passion, they're 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 different than a pure translation. And so, but the New American Standard and some of the uh, other classic versions, like uh, they they kind of hold you to the doctrine, right? 
It's like the meat and the architecture. It's, it's the bones of your house. You don't want to get too far from that. That's got to be strong. And uh, so, I, you know, the passion, some of these are beautiful, but they're beautiful, artistic. They feel, put the meat on the bones. They make me understand it where I go back to the, to the classic and, and it, it goes deeper again. And so you don't want to get too far from those. And, and New, New American Standard is a classic. It, what they've done there is they, every word of the old Hebrew and all the Greek, they, they're translating it word by word by word. And so it keeps it really accurate, but sometimes it's cumbersome. Some of the other versions, they'll just take a thought, an idea, a few sentences, and they take the concept of that and they have the freedom to kind of make it flow and make it more beautiful. But between the two, you get a lot. Amen? And so let's read this together. And I, I, uh, I may read out of the Passion, and you can follow along in Passion or your version. We're going to have two or three or four going. You're smart enough to follow it all. And, um, Thank you. Yep. And so, and my name was Paul in the Passion, and I was chosen by God to be an apostle of Jesus, the Messiah. In the New American Standard, Paul, an apostle of Jesus by the will of God. When I read this, like, isn't it nice to know who you are? Like, this is your identity. I, I, Paul's like, here's who I am, and I'm an apostle, and I know my mission. Knowing you who you are and your mission, pretty important. In fact, uh, this book was written uh, by Paul, obviously. He was in prison. It was written 60 AD. It's called a circular letter. It was really designed to go to other churches. And in the oldest manuscripts, it really didn't say it to the Ephesians. It was actually Ephesians was just written in the margin. So a lot of the scholars think it was really meant for multiple churches. And it's high language. It's flowing. It's beautiful. It's our gospel. Our gospel's jumping off the page. Almost every page of the Bible, the gospel comes in. But in this one, it's flowing. It's big. It's beautiful. Your identity is being hammered in this chapter in a beautiful way. He's calling you up. It's gorgeous, the language and who he's calling you to be. It's not, a, it's not a, a, a chapter where he's correcting the church or he's got an agenda. Like in Corinthians, he's, calling, he's writing the Corinthians like, what the heck's going on down there? <laughs> okay, let's see. At your potlucks, all the rich people are bringing a lot of food. You got poor people not getting any food. Come on, people. What's this I hear about so-and-so sleeping with so-and-so? Are you kidding me? None of that going on in Ephesians. Which is nice. We got that going for us. So he knows. Paul knows who he is. I'm writing this letter to the devoted believers who have been made holy by being one with Jesus. Here it says, I greet you with grace and peace poured into our lives by God our Father and Master. He's greeting you with grace and peace. Grace is another one of those words I'm trying to get my hand around. It's a big word, isn't it? I don't think we in the church totally understand it. I try to, I'm trying to see it as tangible. I can get my hands on it. I try to imagine it as liquid love, honey. Today I managed, someone, a commentator is talking about if you put all the sins of all mankind in a pile right here, what an ugly thing. And you put grace over there in a pile. Grace wins. Grace is more powerful than all the sins ever committed by all of us and anybody in the planet. Grace wins. 
It's tangible. And peace. It's not peace like tranquility. The Hebrew word for peace is, it's bigger. It's your well-being. That you're, that you're all good. Grace. This apostle is saying grace and peace to you. As your pastor, I'm saying grace and peace to you. Grace and peace. Remember the scripture where they, they walk in the house and say, if you, if you sense it's a good house, leave, like leave your peace. Remember that scripture? It's tangible. Have you walked into a home and you felt peace? Have you, or the opposite? You feelers can feel it going into a home. You feel peace. Said if you, if you know if it's not going well, take it back. Take it with you. <laughs> don't don't. You ain't got no time for that. <laughs> so this grace and peace. These aren't just these aren't throwaway words. This isn't like hey how are you I'm fine. This is real like grace and peace. God, bring it. Bring the grace and peace, we pray. It says you've been made holy by being one with Jesus in the passion. Wow. You've been made holy by being one. You got, you didn't get holy by answering an altar call. You didn't get holy by getting your act together. You you getting your act together doesn't get you anywhere near holy enough. Ephesians 2, 8, I think. It's it's not by works of righteousness. It's according to his mercy, his grace, his mercy. You didn't get holy. You got holy by getting in him. You got holy because Jesus lived a perfect life. You got holy because Jesus, the supremacy of God. Jesus, the exact representation of the Father. God walking on earth decided to get on a cross. God walking on earth decided, I've got a, he had a problem. He said, sin creates death, but I love you people. And I want every one of you go to heaven. It's the will of God that all men should be saved. He had this issue. The justice of God. Sin creates death. Love that's everlasting. It intersected on the cross. It collided on the cross. It got solved on the cross. It got fixed on the cross. And God crawled up on that cross, the perfect son of God. And grace was created for all mankind, for me and you. And that thing getting in our heart is why we worship. (laughs) Because he first loved us. Because he reached out to us. And Paul is, what would it be like to be Paul? Like He's getting revelation about the goodness of God and the grace of God that maybe before anyone else. And he's intelligent enough to write about it in a way that is lasting thousands of years later. But you got holy by getting into Jesus. I, I, I try to just visualize repenting, giving our life to Christ and putting on a white bathrobe. And I put on that white bathrobe. That's his righteousness. I get to crawl into his robe. My stuff gets covered up by his robe, his righteousness. Because on my bad days, I deserve to go to hell. So do you. Just so there's clarity on that. Got kind of, got kind of quiet there for a minute. I ain't taking this one by myself. So, so. We're all in this bus. Not me, just not by myself. 
I got my robe, I got the robe of righteousness. Because my own robe ain't perfect and neither is yours. But in him, I got holy the same way you did by being in him. You've been made holy by being one with Jesus. There's scary verses in the Bible about holiness. Like, be holy like I am holy. Jesus saying that. Whoa, that's a scary verse. We're going to need some help with that. Like, robe of righteousness, grace, something supernatural. Because our best day still isn't good enough. My best day still isn't good enough. The best day you've ever had in your life isn't good enough. And that makes us grateful. And we're back to worshiping again. Like the more this is in us, the more grateful we are, the more we worship. And when we don't worship, like, are you dead? Like, have we forgotten? Do we forget what he did for us? The end of verse two, may God himself, the heavenly father of our Lord Jesus, release grace over you and impart total well-being, that's peace, well-being over you. Check out verse three. Every spiritual blessing. How blessed is God, it says in the message. And what a blessing he is. He's the father of our master, Jesus Christ. And he takes us into the high places of blessing in him. Whoa. If there's anything in these scriptures that I haven't experienced, I have a right to go there. I have a right to desire it. I have a right to expect it. I have a right to, Lord, help me. No one in this room has any less right to any of these promises than anyone else. This isn't for the laity. It isn't for the five-fold ministers. It isn't for the apostles. It's for everyone. He takes us in the high places of blessing in him. Long before he laid down earth's foundations, he had you in mind. Now, these identity verses, like that's an identity verse. Like he had you in mind before the foundation. That Greek word, some people uh, translate it before it's, it's actually before he fell down, like before the fall. Either way, he had you in mind before the fall. He had you in mind before in the foundation. Still a long time ago. <laughs> long before you were twinkling your daddy's eye. Settled on you. He had you in mind. And he settled on you. As the focus of his love. He created all these things, earth, mountains, animals, decided to focus on you. It's the focus of his love. So, you know, people get messed up like in the world system, like they think, they think, uh, you know, a, a bird is equal to a person. Well, that verse says it's not. Like, you're the focus of his love. I mean, I, I love nature, but you're the focus of his love. Last Sunday, Lynn, uh, we had a chance to, it was a kind of a dream bucket. I took two of my boys Hiking in Glacier. I mean, it's one of the prettiest places on the planet. But you are the focus of his love. Yeah. You're better than that. And it's pretty amazing. You're welcome. <laughs> but he said it, not me. 
Thank you. Thank you. Every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realm has already been lavished upon us. Every spiritual blessing. Every single one, says in verse three in the Passion. Every single blessing. Jesus said, on the cross, he took back the keys of the kingdom. Every spiritual blessing has been won back. And Papa Father wants to bestow it upon his kids, made in his image. Somebody's getting free over there. But she, uh, she walks around drunk in the spirit, so... But this is why we celebrate him. Long ago, he adopted you into the family of Jesus Christ. What a pleasure he took in planning this. Have you ever like worked really hard on a gift for someone you love or a surprise birthday party or something like that? I prepared this really great surprise birthday party for my wife years ago. Got the hotel ready, invited all our friends, got them all there early, worked my tail off. It was wonderful. On the way home, she said, don't you ever do that again. (laughs) Don't even think about it. What a pleasure he took in planning this. He wanted us to enter into the celebration of his lavished gift giving by the hand of his beloved son. Can you feel the language? The dude's in prison, but his heart's not in prison. His pen isn't in prison. His brain isn't in prison. Because he is soaring And he is dropping rev bombs that we're reading thousands of years later. It's good, isn't it? And you can just go go from one to another. It's just fun. In the Passion, at the end of verse four, he says, because of his great love, he ordained us so that we would be seen as holy in his eyes. There's the robe again. With an unsustained innocence. With a restored innocence. Innocence restored. Like that of your three-year-old grandchild. Restored, total innocence. This morning I popped over to Colossians chapter one. Let me just read this to you, it's so good. He's the divine portrait, the true likeness. It's talking about Jesus. For believers... Someone talking about Jesus, lifting up Jesus, worshiping Jesus, explaining the scriptures about Jesus should make our hearts rise. It should say, come on, I can hear about this. I like this. This feels good. The Holy Spirit's in us and we're not tied down or darkened by some sin or we're not in a dark place. It should come alive. And if it's not, that's a sign. He's the divine portrait. He's the, as Lindy talked about, he's the poema. He's the poetry. He's, you're, you're his artistic artwork. But Jesus is the true likeness of the invisible God and the firstborn heir of all creation. Isn't that good? For through the Son, everything was created, both in the heavenly realm and on earth. All that is seen and all that is unseen. Everything was created through Jesus. 
There's a bunch of room to disagree on a bunch of things in the kingdom, but Jesus was not created. Everything was created through him. He's God. He wasn't created. So when a Jehovah's Witness calls on your door, you, you get right to that point. And talk about that. Don't be wasting time on anything else. Because that's where, I mean, we got a big, big umbrella for lots of people. Tons of people. But you can't mess up that one. For through the Son, everything was created, both in the heavenly realm and on earth. All that is seen, all that is unseen, every seat of power, realm of government, principality, authority, it was all created through through him and for his purpose. He existed before anything was made, and now everything is finding its completion in him. Jesus on the cross hit the reset button for your innocence. Everything God put right through him, every principality, every authority, everything through Christ, the supremacy of Christ, our Jesus. God said, I'm going to run everything through him. He's the head of his body, which is the church. And since he is the beginning and the firstborn heir in resurrection, he's the firstborn resurrection. We're all going to get new bodies. He's the first. You're in him. We get peace of that resurrection. He's the most exalted one. I don't know. My spirit likes hearing he's the most exalted one. Holding first place in everything. For God is satisfied to have all his fullness dwelling in Christ. He's the exact representation of the Father. I'm in the Father. The Father's in me. Do you know what it means? Like when you're getting to get to be brothers with Jesus or you're in him. He's he's everything the Father has. In him. And he's the head of the body, of his body, which is the church. For God is satisfied to have the fullness dwelling in Christ, and by the blood of his cross, everything in heaven and earth is brought back to himself, back to its original intent, restored to innocence again. He hit the reset button and everything gets fixed. And when you came to Christ, this is if, in my mind, this is my opinion, when you came to Christ as if time didn't exist and you get come back to that moment when he hit the reset button and innocence is restored and you get to jump right into that innocence restored. You get to be that person. The only place to get rid of shame. Only place to restore innocence. And you catch that? He's the head of the body, which is the church. My opinion, the more you fall in love with Jesus... The more you fall in love with the Father, you will love the church. You know, when you get married, you kind of have to love what they love, right? Like, if you love someone, you'll love what they love. If you love the Father, he loves his church. The more you fall in love with the Father, you fall in love with the church. It's gotten, in one of my little pet peeves, like it's gotten vogue to be trashing the church. And it's an easy target. It's like the church in parentheses, you know, the church. 
You're not trashing a person. You're just trashing the church. Like, let's not do that. I got, I saw on Facebook this week, somebody doesn't live in the state. Y'all don't know them. Don't try to figure it out. They didn't go to this church. They maybe visited a few times just for accuracy's sake. This wasn't their church. You don't know them. Don't try to figure it out. Don't think about an elephant. No. But they're, they're on the internet, like, trashing the church. Like, they're good people. Like, why are you doing that? The church is not finished yet. She is un- she's under construction. Imperfect people are doing their best. He's coming back for a bride. When she becomes what she's destined to become, it's going to happen. It's like, it's not, this isn't an if. It's happening. It's going to happen. It will happen. There are going to be people embarrassed by what they put on Facebook about the church. Like, like they're going to be in heaven with God like, oh, what was I doing? It'll be one of those cringe moments. Don't be doing that. Be doing that. It's, it's not. It just isn't cool. It's not cool, is it? So I'm, I'm going to shift gears. This is going well. I'm not shifting because I don't think it's going well. I'm feeling good about it. <laughs> One of my, my prayer for doing this is I want, I want many of you to just take your own form of studying the Bible, all the good things about that. And you just borrow some of that, like get tomorrow, maybe. Get a cup of coffee in your favorite chair. I know this isn't easy with people with six kids, but, um, <laughs> but we believe nothing is impossible in this church. He's a miracle working God. Get in your favorite chair and a cup of coffee and without a time frame, without having to teach anything, without just you and him. And let his spirit testify with your spirit. Romans 8, Abba, Daddy, Papa. Let his spirit testify with my spirit that I'm his son. Teach me something new, Jesus. Have him come and the way he can, just so kindly, like, let's talk about that attitude or that thought or even he corrects kindly. The father corrects the son he loves. And in his presence, you'll hear him clearly. In his presence, you'll feel Adopted into family. In his presence, you'll be powerful enough to say yes. In his presence, you'll be an obedient one. In his presence, in his word, you'll be on the road to your destiny. The right road going in the right direction. Doesn't matter where you are tonight. Today, tonight, and tomorrow morning, you could be going in the right road, in the right direction. An eternal being going in the right road, in the right direction, loved by God. He's bigger than any problem we brought in the door. 
in his presence as a solution to every problem we brought in the door. Amen. 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 So I'm going to give you a 10 minute update on the church. How about that? Okay. All right. Um, I want to just report to you that um, we I feel better about the church than I have in any time in its ten and a half year history. So I, I, I feel great about our team, our staff, our lead volunteers. They're great people. They're sacrificing. They're hungry for God. They're um, smart. They work hard. They love Jesus. There's no crazy sin going on. Shouldn't have to be said, but I'm going to say it. There's none that I know about. Our unity's better than it's ever been. You know, it's, it's not easy to get a group of people all on the same page, going in the right direction. No agendas, no nothing. You try to do that on a ball team, a business, a church, it ain't easy. And when you get it, you want to hold and protect it. And so I believe that even the... Just the way you feel in this room, the way you worship, the fun we're having is actually in part a result of that unity, that flowing down, that feeling good, that no crap going on. So, because we've all been in churches where it does go on because we're just people. But it doesn't always feel this way. So, um, so the team feels great to me. Um, we're in the midst of a kind of a an interesting play with uh, just we've kind of shrunk a little bit as a church beyond Saturday nights. Saturday nights aren't perfect for church. In fact, a year ago, we were 100, 150 more people than when we are Saturday nights. And um, we're trying to build big people, not big churches. So we're not about numbers. But we care about, I'd rather have 300 people on fire for Jesus than 5,000 just coming to church. But healthy things do grow. You're, if you've got a healthy business, it's growing. You got Healthy things grow. Healthy churches grow. And so, um, Michael Maiden had a word. He said, he said, you're actually, <laughs> healthy babies grow. So, he had a word that we're kind of almost, Reducing down to a common denominator to multiply. And we feel that. Like, you get this thing the way it's feeling now, and it could multiply once or twice. Not necessarily the goal, but you better be prepared. So we don't, we don't mind that we're shrinking. We actually feel like God is concentrating. And I want to say I'm thankful to you who, um, who have made going to church and your family a priority, even whether it's not convenient on a Saturday night or even though we keep moving around and <laughs> making it hard to find hide and seek. We're not trying to play hide and seek. 
But God is uh, maybe weaning those out who just come out of convenience to those who say, this is my family. And from that place, (laughs) we've got one all in over here. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. No, we got a lot more than that. But, so that's a good thing. Uh, one of the problems with your church shrinking is that um, those people that leave quit giving. And so, so I, I don't know why they do that. But so, so about six months into our, this, we just finished our fiscal year, right? In June 30th. June June 30th. And um, so about six months in, we were like $30,000 under budget over six months. I wasn't too worried. But then January, we were $20,000 under in January. Oh, that's not good. February, we're $20,000 under budget again in giving. So that's not feeling really good. So we're, end of February, we're like, What's that, $70,000 under? And um, our team, we say, okay, shrink all expenses. We usually celebrate, take the team to the beach for a few days. No, none of that. None of the fun stuff. You know, eat beans and potatoes. (laughs) Don't be taking people out to lunch. You know, go to coffee, let them buy. One of those things. (laughs) We're doing all that stuff. (laughs) <laughs> so and our team was so amazing like nobody complaining like how you tell a dozen people quit spending money and nobody complains not that I heard anyway <laughs> so and then uh, you know in worship we heard we heard the Lord one, one, one night in worship right here it's like 70,000 under. I'm kind of getting worried. We were almost at the point like, are we going to have to let someone go on staff? Like, that ain't fun. We're family. Yeah. Hear the Lord say, prime the pump. Prime the pump. You know how he speaks to you in different ways? Like, I know what that means, but no one else might know. Prime the pump. Prime the pump. And I knew, it, I knew prime the pump means we, we had been given 10% of our, 10% of your tithes since really for the last seven or eight years, nine years, has been going into a building fund to help save for building. Prime the pump meant give that away. Like, oh, we're trying to get into a building the cost of steel and every bit of labor is the worst time to build hardly ever. Costs are going up. Giving's going down. And my wife said I wasn't the best husband that month. <laughs> Honey, you need to read chapter 13 of love chapter. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love's not grumpy. Prime the pump. Prime the pump. Like this does not make any sense at all. The numbers are going on. There's a grace in the room. Like if you're having financial issues, have you tried to give your way out of it? And so we, uh, we gave that month's check, um, was it March the first month? February. So February, we heard it and we gave February's away to, you gave, so you gave 10% of your tithe that, from February to uh, Venezuelan children who are hungry. And then March, we did the same thing, April, and um, the finances just flipped. 
on a dime. Amazing. And, and so we just ended, ended 12 months, ended June, and we were over budget in giving. Yeah. So, great job. Yeah. So, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. And so, and the team had just shrunk expenses so bad. Like, I mean, they're walking around with holy jeans and, you know. And, <laughs> and so the expenses went so far down. I, I think uh, the church was able to save $236,000 over that 12 months. Like, that was really good. And so... Our money to go toward the building has been growing. And someone asked the other day, it was a great question, said, when y'all are giving that tithe away, are you giving the building fund money away that we're giving? I thought it was a, oh, that's a good question. And the answer is no, no. The money y'all are giving toward the building funds going into a building fund, that, that part that we've been priming the pump with has been tithes and offerings. So just to make that clear. So all that's been going in. So there's something exciting happening. Now, when it's happening in your church, it's happening with your, this is not one person's testimony. This is our testimony. So this is a grace that you can come under. You are under it. You're under it. So you, I'm just saying, it's, it's in the air. It's happening. And I get testified. One of the beautiful things about being a pastor is y'all come up to me and say, it's happening. Let me tell you my testimony. Let me tell you my testimony. Let me tell you my testimony. Yeah. There you go. Could we, uh, could we put up that screenshot, please, Summer? So I wanted to show you this as... Um, there's a, another cool story going on, and um, this is part of your property. This is the, what we call the horse farm, and this is um, about 46 acres of the 104. And the top, top middle is um, a four-acre piece that, that we're in the process of buying Cool testimony, um, Lauren and Brent Brownlee, Lauren, our daughter, they, they, they felt like the Lord said, we want to um, we we buy some land and develop it near the church. And I hope, I hope I don't mess the story up, Lauren, you can correct me, but, and, uh, and to do that, they had to sell a piece of rental property they had that was really very secure, a big piece of security to Lauren. It was a, it was a, it was a rental property that was easy to rent in Peachtree City. It was, it just added some stability to their finance. So it was a sacrifice to be obedient. And so they bought that little piece right there up in the middle. There's a, that's a four-acre piece. And some things happened where they it did, but they came with an open hand. Said if the church needs it, they can have it instead. Or we'll, we'll sell it for what we paid for for the church if they want it. We'll defer, which was very kind. And, and so that piece of property actually opened up so many at things that for a year we were having trouble um, where we wanted to put something quick, something a little less expensive, something sooner in those fields, but we couldn't get past the access to the property, the roads, the neighbors, the not wanting to put a parking lot on those beautiful fields. Nothing worked. A lot of smart people trying to make it work. When we bought that piece of property, it worked. And so that just felt like a God thing. And so as our old, as our um, the piece on 74, the, the bids came back very expensive. We felt like 
we're not abandoning that dream of that property there and the work we've done is not wasted, but this is a step before the step. And so we're gonna build an access road on Tyrone Road through that property. We're gonna come in behind our um, church offices. And so the two red buildings there, the one red at the top is the church office. The other red is the existing lodge. Does that make sense? The yellow is a going to be a pavilion, like an open air, beautiful pavilion that could be used for hanging out, outdoor services, like Friday night worship, weddings. And we're considering even uh, pursuing, even putting a big tent there to get on the property sooner than later. Because uh, we just feel a strong need to get on the property soon. Yeah. So Michael Maiden also said, he said, you know, a kingdom church in a very traditional religious city, there's resistance to get on the ground. And we have felt it. So we're going to keep pursuing, knocking down doors to get on that land. Thank you. That's helpful. So that... So, <laughs> On the podcast, uh, there's a yellow light. Yes, it's in glory. So show the uh, existing office, please. Okay, and the lodge there, okay. And then where the pavilion will go in, in yellow, it's obvious. Okay, and now go, now this other facility right there, go to the big facility. That's what we're gonna build there is a beautiful, it'll be beautiful inside, but outside it'll look like a barn a big, beautiful barn, and we're going to make all the motif kind of look the same, um, and that will be a sanctuary, our children's area, They'll, it, um, it'll seat the uh, first phase, like at least five, six hundred, the second phase, seven or eight hundred when we open up a wing. We'll get you more drawings of that, um, and... Those, all that planning is going well and all the pricing of that is much more affordable, kind of half or less from what we were looking at before. And so it feels better. It's, it's uh, with the money we've saved and the money you're giving, we could see the light at the end of the tunnel of having that paid off sooner than we would have normally. So that it'll be in striking distance for us to do that. So amen? Amen. 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 Okay. Anything I'm missing on the church? Just a, just a quick review. But um, so if you will pray with me and we'll uh, we'll close. So Father, we thank you for tonight. We thank you for Paul speaking so eloquently about who we are in Christ and who Christ is and what he did for us. The supremacy of Christ. His love for the church our call to be holy, our call to be worshipers, our call to be powerful, our call to be generous, our call to be the light of the world, daughters of light and sons of the day, our call to lift our heads up and be a testimony, our call to be the body of Christ, our call to be his bride, Lord, just straighten us up, strengthen our backs. Let us walk tall in who you say we are. Let your sacrifice not be in vain that we would by faith believe 
what you say we are. Let us believe who you say we are and what we say we are and the destiny before us. Let us find our identity, find our people, and find our destiny. Let us be people who give thanks and praise and worship and see your glory. Amen, 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 amen. All right. Love you guys. Y'all are a wonderful church. Thank you for listening to the Sermon of the Week. To stay connected with Bethel Atlanta, visit www.bethelatlanta.com.